Well, come with me to a cold, dark winter's night back in 1906 when a man named Reginald Fessenden was tinkering around in his shop with a telegraph machine and a microphone. He's not sure if anyone out there can hear what he's about to transmit over the radio, but he decides, why not give it a try? What better words to speak than the words of Scripture? So he opens his Bible to Luke chapter 2. He starts reading these words. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And he reads about Mary and Joseph and Bethlehem and a baby boy who's going to be born there in a manger. And he tells how there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Imagine that you're a sailor braving the lonely seas on this cold December night when over the radio waves, instead of hearing the usual dot, dot, dash, dash, dash of the telegraph, you are now hearing a human voice proclaiming the good news of peace on earth and goodwill toward men on whom God's favor rests. And then as the reading of scripture draws to a close, you hear that same man Reginald Fessenden, pick up his violin, and he begins to play the most beautiful melody, a song first written in 1847, now becomes in 1906 the first song ever to be played over the radio waves, a song that's beloved in the hearts of millions in which we sing at the beginning of our service tonight. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining, it is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees, O oh, hear the angels' voices. There's one line in particular that I want to focus on tonight. It's the line that begins with the bad news about humanity. It starts by saying, long lay the world in sin and error pining. In other words, we were languishing in our stubborn attempt to live independently of God. We were trapped. We could do nothing to rescue ourselves. But then something happened that changed everything. He appeared, and the soul felt its worth. And that's the phrase I want us to concentrate on for a few minutes tonight. Jesus appears, and the soul feels its worth. I ask you this Christmas Eve, has your soul felt its worth? I've lived long enough as a parent, as a pastor, and as a person 
to know that this is true about you, it's true about me, it's true about every single person you'll ever meet. There's not a soul on earth who does not at some times feel worthless. We do lots of things to disguise our fear of worthlessness. Some people disguise it with a swagger. Other people disguise their fear of worthlessness by groveling or hiding away in dread. But there's not a single human being on earth who does not sometimes wonder, does anyone notice me? Does anyone want me? Does anyone treasure me? And the way of this world is to keep your soul from feeling its true worth. The world says, here are the things that we value around here. Here are the things that really make you a worthy person. This is what gives you worth. How much money do you have? How physically attractive are you? How athletic are you? What's your GPA? What college have you gotten into? How much have you done recently to prove your value around here? How do you measure up to others? For many people, it starts as a young child when a person of influence says something devastating like, you're never going to amount to anything, or why can't you be like your older brother? Or have you seen yourself in the mirror lately? Or you're weird, or you're not very smart. It's a faulty narrative, but you've played it so many times, it's defined your identity, leaving you scarred with shame and with self-reproach. And sometimes the church unknowingly adds its voice to this false narrative by misapplying a very true doctrine. The Bible makes it very clear that no human being is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned aside, it says in Romans 3. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. All have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. This is the truth about humanity that the Bible makes no apologies proclaiming. When it comes to our worthiness, no one is worthy to receive God's salvation. All of us have disqualified ourselves through our sin. And if it's up to ourselves to save ourselves, we are useless. That's why the world lay so long in sin and error pining. We couldn't rescue ourselves. It's impossible. But there's a vast difference between being unworthy and being worthless. We will forever be unworthy of God's love and grace and favor, but we will also be forever of great worth in God's eyes. God puts such worth, such value upon humanity that out of all that God created, we alone are the creatures who have been made in his image after his likeness. Nothing in all creation is as precious to God as human beings are. He made us to know him, to be able to communicate with him, and he created us to share in the joy of experiencing his presence forever in eternity, in the new creation. And because we are created in God's image, every human being has incalculable worth. That's true of the tiniest 
human embryo in the womb of her mother. It's true of the Alzheimer's patient who for the last 10 years has not been able to do anything that the world considers worthwhile. It's true of the most hardened criminal on death row. It's true of the homeless veteran on Lower Wacker Drive. It's true of the prostitute who's been the victim of human trafficking. It's true of the orphan who's been abandoned in a cold, dark alley. Every human being has infinite worth because every human being is created in the image of an infinitely worthy God. Your worth is not defined by what you do. Your worth is defined by who made you. We have worth because we're created in the image of God. But not only did he make us and then just leave us to ourselves, he did not do that. This is the beauty of Christmas. What we're celebrating beginning tonight is that when we had done everything we could to make ourselves unworthy through our sin, God said they are still worth more than all the treasures of this world to me. And we have worth because we are loved by God. We are not loved because of how much we are worth, but we have worth because of how much we are loved. How do we know how much God loves us? Well, the song says, when Jesus appeared, then the soul felt its worth. We know that God loves us, the Bible says in 1 John 4, verse 8, that God is love, and he showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. God's son, who lived forever in the glories of heaven, left his throne above. And what did he become? One of us, a tiny little baby. He had hands and feet. He had a nose and a chest and he had ears and he had eyes. He gurgled and he cried. His mother nursed him just like yours did you. She wrapped him up in swaddling cloths to hold his fragile little limbs together and to keep him from exposure to the cold. And that's where our salvation begins, with a tender little infant. As if God is saying to our fearful hearts, welcome, come to me, be not afraid, for who is afraid of a tiny little baby? And he became poor, not surrounded by gold and silver, but by mud and clay, not as a prince, but as a pauper, not born into a palace, but into a manger where he was laid in a feeding trough for animals in a little obscure village in the most squalid and primitive conditions. And there God the infant shivered in a stable. And in his humble appearing to us, as one of us, our souls may start to feel their true worth. Sin impoverishes our humanity, but God's Son comes and embraces our humanity, and he clothes himself in our humanity, and he carries our sin, 
and our shame and our sorrows and our unworthiness all the way from the manger in Bethlehem to the old rugged cross. He was born in a borrowed barn. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. But he was raised from the dead in glory, the pioneer of a new humanity. And in all of this, God is saying to us, to human beings, he is saying, you are worth something to me. You are worth Enough to me to not spare my own son, but to give the most costly gift I could ever give to make you my child, to welcome you into my family, and to cause you to live forever with me. Like we sang tonight, Christ the babe was born for you, for you, and for me. And he was born and he came knowing everything unworthy about your life. He knew all about the sins and the failures that you would experience. He knew about your greatest shame. And he knew all the ways you would suffer and grieve and be afraid in this lifetime. And he came. He came into this world for you. And there's no footnote in your Bible or in any Bible that says, God so loved the world except for you. He loved the world and he gave his only son for you. And Jesus loves you not because you are lovely, which is good news. Because if it was based on our loveliness, we'd wonder if he would ever still love me. But he loves you because he is love. And it wasn't cheap to come and redeem you in love. He died at the cost of his own blood. That which is purchased by the blood of Christ has infinite worth in the eyes of God. So you are noticed. You are wanted You are treasured. You are loved by the King of glory and by the tender Savior of the world. Has your soul felt its worth? This question is so vital because it will affect how you treat other people. Someone has said, if you don't believe you're of great worth, you won't give people great worth. And that's true. But it's vital that our souls feel their worth, too, because if we don't know our true worth in the eyes of God, our lives are going to be driven by fear and by anxiety. We're going to be trying to make a name for ourselves, not realizing that the king of the universe, Jesus, has already made a name for us. And if you don't know what gives you true worth in the eyes of God, you're going to spend your whole life trying to find value and worth apart from God. And Jesus said, what does it profit a person if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? Don't let that happen to you. Receive God's greatest gift to you this Christmas. Turn away from trying to find your worth in this world and in the things and the treasures of this world and instead give yourself over to the Savior who appeared at Christmas and he appeared to show the world the worth of the human soul in the eyes of an infinitely worthy and glorious God. Let's pray together.